This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. I am here with my good girl, Jessica. That's me. And my awesome friend, Chris Webb. Internet sensation, (laughs) some random grandpa, (laughs) wonderful man of wisdom, kilt-wearing maniac. Chris Webb is in the studio, y'all. Like, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm really glad to be here. I've heard so much about you guys. (laughs) So let's start with, like... How we know Chris. Yes. We know Chris because he is responsible for the fantastic Mandy (laughs) Webb Hancock and Katie Webb, who've both been on the podcast before. So Mandy's been on a couple of times. Katie's been on once. They were really high downloaded episodes. You guys obviously love the Webb sisters. And Chris Webb is responsible for 50% of them. Like, uh, well done, dad. You had some great kids and Matt too. Like, um, I've been in the family for, I mean, we're going on like 18 or 19 years now that I've known your kids. Um, And so it's funny because when you're friends and you meet your friend's parents, sometimes friends' parents are like, um, like your parents a little bit, you know, and you have like a weird authority thing with them. But you and I have never had that. Like we've always had like this really camaraderie kind of friendship style relationship. And over the years, like you've watched me grow up a lot. And yes. I've watched you grow up a lot Aww. and yeah, um, that you've always been like this amazing source of wisdom mm-hmm. for me, you know, and but not in a traditional sense. OK, like in a way where so oftentimes your perspective gave me so much relief and freedom for things that I was dealing with um, that when we got to talking about podcast guests, I was like, man, you know who I can talk to all day long. And I get such massive nuggets of wisdom from is Chris Webb. Um, And which is part of what makes some random grandpa in your Facebook feed, like so much fun to follow is because you have this gift for taking things that sometimes are like really sensitive or controversial and turning them on their head and giving people a new way of looking at something that if it came from someone else, they might be offended. But because it comes from you, they're willing to look at it and receive it with a more open mind. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I'm not sure why it is. It's been like that. Best I can tell my whole life, you know, I take an interest in folks and I think more than anything else, it's just a matter of listening. You know, um, realizing there are two sides of everything. You know, when I talk about be doing what you are without apology, I yet to allow that in everybody. Yeah. And so I'm just letting folks sit in front of me and uh, being who and what they are and appreciating that and trying to find some kind of common ground. And it's always there. It's always there. You know? And you can present your contrary view just by being respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, it also helps to be consistent. <laughs> uh, I say Indeed. that, you know, you can get away with dang near anything if you're just consistent. <laughs> I, I love this part of what you're seeing too is, you know, I, I think I've certainly grown and changed over time, like you said, but mostly it's just been really consistent. Consistent's a great word for you. Like, absolutely. So backstory on Chris, because 
I remember one of the first things that you and I bumped up against where you really changed my perspective of things was how many different lifetimes and careers you've had and mm. that you always had this idea that like people have lots of jobs and that that's okay. And I, oh my God, for so no, long, like, that was no. not Laurie's experience where I was like <laughs> blinders. I have one focus. I have one job. I have one career my whole life. And that's all I'll ever have. And that's all I'll ever, I'll ever be, you know, and that yeah. you have been in the military and had a really intense and profound career in the military that you and I have gotten a chance to talk about pretty extensively. That's so inspiring to me but that you've also been a lay minister, pastor, you know, and worked in yeah. the church and the Baptist church. And so we have a lot in common as far as just like our history and the churches are concerned. You've had these three children and this family, you've navigated a divorce and a co-parenting situation over the years. You've worked in so many capacities as like a writer and a mentor with people and you owned this dump truck company that you sold, you know, like where you were like working in construction and stuff in a micro mini kilt, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Like, love. well, not micro. I mean, <laughs> it's shorter than anything I might wear. And I love it. Like, I'm totally into it. I'm here for it. But that these things don't go together in something that you would look at and be like, maybe the military man and the lay pastor thing do a little bit, but right. that you've had so many different lifetimes worth of experiences mm -hmm. and have totally trusted this like internal knowledge that you have, that you're safe to authentically be who you are at every stage of the game. That shit's inspiring to me. And that it has given me a lot of freedom as a adult to follow some of my own paths and some of my own callings. Yeah. And a lot of that came out of the Gittite way which I think is probably the coolest part of getting to know you is that you have written this amazing, I don't know, do you call it a book? Do you call it a manifesto? Like, what is the Gittite way? You know, I'm not sure what I call it. I've, I've heard it called many things. <laughs> you know, manifesto is one of the more powerful ones. Yeah. You know, opus, I've heard that. Which yeah, is, Ooh, good. You know, uh, it's been described as, uh, as a book, mm -hmm. of course, and a, I don't know, a series of essays, and I dare say to some folks, and it scares me a little bit, scripture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There are folks who, uh, folks around the world read it. I've just give it away. It's not, it's not any kind of a secret. Um, and yeah, I have, there's one fellow, a good friend of mine from the army, Roger Hall. He reads through it every year. Mm. You know, and when he gets kind of down or whatever, he pulls it out. And, you know, that book was written for people who were, disillusioned and disenfranchised and discouraged and um and so there again i'm just i'm i'm concerned about those kind of folks and um so i wrote the gittite way uh, largely uh, to document what i had gone through you know, how i had kind of turned things around from nothing you know having been one of those disenfranchised and discouraged and despondent type folks and uh, like you said i've been in church work for 25 years i'd I taught the Bible for 17 years, you know, consecutively to adults. And, you know, so you have a lot of rich background, you know, a varied background. You know, it's going all the way back to when I was a kid. You know, I was always different. You know, uh, in my high school photo, for instance, you know, in the, the senior picture for everybody, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wore these international orange shoes. And so to this day, that's hanging in the, you know, and I got away with it because I'd been wearing other things like that. I dressed like the Dr. Pepperman. Y'all too young to remember that, but 
Um, but I love this idea yeah. that like even at a young age, you were totally comfortable expressing yourself in a way that made you look different than other people and that yeah. you ran into that inclination where I feel like so many of us sometimes try and be the same. Like when I was young, I just wanted yeah. to look like everybody right. else, you know, like and that you've always had this knack of like, no, this is authentically who I am and I'm going to be that. Well, but, and you, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to like if we're on the subject of that like so when did the um kilt wearing come in like could you do that in the military when you were serving or well, like how did that all when when did you start to wear kilts let's talk about yes. this okay that goes way back <laughs> it's a good story it's a good story <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh and my mom will probably see this but long long time uh, ago when grams. i was a little kid for halloween she dressed me up as an old woman <laughs> and i think i look pretty good as an old woman <laughs> But well, I got I my good. first experience at not wearing pants, you know, and I realized like this isn't so bad. <laughs> and we played a game called Wahoo back in the day. Yeah. And on the corner of the board uh, were these pictures of Indians or I guess called Native Americans now. And um, in three of the corners had these these Indian warriors, you know, and they were kind of scantily clad. You know, they had all loincloth yeah. and had like a little mini skirt and they had their bow and arrow and so I was just fascinated. And you're like, badass. I was like, those guys are badass. You know? <laughs> and it's like, I, I want to be like those guys. I want to be handy with weapons. I want to be, you know, strong legs and courageous. And, and so uh, early on, I started kind of being inclined that way. I was a runner. And so I had running shorts that I just sort of clipped into like running skirts. And, and so it was, that was a consistent thing, you know, really throughout my life. Of course, it became full time later on. You might want to hear about that. But, um, and so, like I said about consistency, you know, you, you be who and what you really are. It always goes back to that. And and for reasons I can't really understand, it wasn't even a decision that I made. I can't take any credit, like, well, I really mm. worked at it. And I just kind of came out like that. Yeah. And um, But it also came out like that in such a way that I can encourage other people to help be like that. You know, I don't, I don't expect everybody to be motivated by some board game where Indians <laughs> don't wear much. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, Sometimes being who and what you really are is, is working in a regular job in an office someplace. Sure. You know, um, whatever it is that, that you're inclined. You don't have to be a you know, kilt wearing wish he was a Indian warrior. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can you mentioned the military. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people they feel like the military was somewhere that you couldn't go and be who you were. That's just not true. You you can be in any circumstance and be and be yourself. You just have to be comfortable with being yourself, you know, and realize that if you are yourself, other people kind of, they respect it. They also may even envy it just a little bit. Yes. You know, I they, think they, so. Because let me tell you, there have been multiple times with me and people in our friend circle, because um, we're all hairdressers, mm. where, you know, clients will bring me a picture every once in a while and be like, I saw this guy, Check this guy out at Walmart yeah. or whatever, wearing this tiny kilt. Can you believe that? And I'm like, I know that I know guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm best friends with his kids. Yeah, you know. And they're like, Oh, really? I'm like, Yeah, you should actually go talk to him because he's really freaking cool, and you may learn a thing or two. And it's just like such a wonderful message about authenticity because yeah. people like almost do it like to poke fun or right. something, you know, and I'm like, oh, you're not poking fun. Yeah. 
you know, you actually missed a great opportunity right, not great connecting opportunity. with this guy. Yeah. How often do people come up to you and talk to you about your kilts? How does, does that happen much anymore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it happens quite a lot. Yeah. You know, um, and I'll see some folks, uh, I'll hear a picture, like a camera click, mm. and it'll be like someone taking a picture from the back, which I really don't like that. Yeah. But uh, if I see, yeah. like I never am upset about it. Like I'll see that people are, they're like looking at me like they're mean, mm-hmm. but they're just taking a good hard look. You know, they haven't really seen that before. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not being mean. They're just like, oh my gosh, I need time to get a look at it. And if I walk up or I say hi, they instantly just open up and they want to ask questions. Yeah. And I have men that walk up to me quietly Man, I wish I had the courage to do that. You know. Uh, oh, cool! I was at a big convention, and guy walks up and he says, "I didn't know you could wear that." You know, just just saying, I didn't know you could wear that. No, that was allowed. Like, like yeah, that. you're giving people and, permission uh, to like be themselves. No, for real. Exactly right. And, this uh, is a tenant of the Gitite yeah, way. So, like, uh, yeah. It's so a lot of times folks find freedom and seeing freedom in somebody else. Yes. You know, they can gain courage to be simply who they are because they see somebody else doing it. Yeah. That's part of the power of what y'all do. Oh, you get folks you. on here and you're talking about all these kinds of things and folks watch it and they're like, I, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. These folks are telling me that I can do that. Totally. It's, and I don't know, is it the first tenant, the be who and what you are yes, without be, apology? Yeah, be who and what you really are without apology. Okay. So this is the first tenant of the Get Tight Way that I read uh-huh. that I was like, okay, be who and what you truly are. And I think the first time I read it, I was like, I don't even know who I truly am, but cool. Like, I'll work on that. Um, but the without apology, I love this part because when we started the Badass Ladies Club, being unapologetic about who you were was one of our core values, you know? Yeah. And I always thought that was so funny because maybe part aligned. of that was motivated because of the Gittite way and like the role yeah. that that played in my life. But it's really hard to not apologize for who you are sometimes when so much of our identity is made up in like making other people comfortable. Yeah, And that you can't be who you authentically are if you're hung up on making sure that everybody around you is comfortable, you know? And Jessica and I have talked so much on this podcast about figuring out our codependent tendencies that we yeah. have that keep us from really being who we are. Um, and that, yeah, I that you give people so much freedom to do that, especially when it's awkward and then you make it not awkward for them. Um, I don't remember where we were the first time that somebody, it was a stranger asked you if you were wearing anything underneath your kilt <laughs> and you, sure that's yeah, like, like that, that happens a lot. And you said, I don't know. Why don't you pick it up and take a look? It might be your lucky day. Yeah. <laughs> and I, think I about, yeah, my favorite thing to say, yeah, if it's no, a gal. It is so that, good. That, well, the gentleman doesn't talk about such things. Right, but I wouldn't right. prohibit a lady from finding out. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll turn around like that. And then if it doesn't happen, I said, well, the moment is past. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, and this idea that like when you were in the dump truck business and you have this mm. huge truck, like the biggest truck I've ever seen, that you're standing up in a construction site with all these like massively masculine aggro guys doing things, you know, like construction style in your kilt, you know, like doing I this hard it. labor with the best legs you've ever seen, okay? Like, really do have amazing legs, Chris. Truly. Um, it does that, have to have the legs for it if you're going to run around. For real, time. yeah. But that you ooze, like, masculinity in a way that nobody is confused about the fact that this look is part of who you are and that you're proud to demonstrate that. And, you know, the episode that Jessica and I were recording right before you came here, we were talking about, like non-binary and transgender, you know, people and the idea that like 
people have been dressing in the way that they felt most comfortable behind closed doors since the beginning of time, you know, and now we're getting to this space where there's more and more room and there's more and more freedom for people to look the way that they want to look and not feel so judged or feel like there's a place for them there. And so much of that journey is what you're teaching in this tenet of be who you are unapologetically, that you don't have to apologize for who you are or how you look or who you want to love or how you dress or any of these things that that you get to take up space. And as humans, so many of us don't feel entitled to take up space in the way that we want to. And I love it that that's what it is that you're empowering people to do. Well, it is a, it is a journey or a process or whatnot. And I went through it myself. I mean, yes, I can point out that when, from one time I was little, dressed as an old lady for Halloween, <laughs> you know, until now sitting here and, and being the way I'm now, it was a process for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't just start wearing what I wear all the time. I succumbed to the pressure to conform and sure. to, to fit in as much as I was, uh, as, as myself, I was, as, I was myself to a high degree for the age that I was. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but you ask about the get tight way and, and when did that start? Well, that started after I had been a, an officer in the army and survived you know, the Cold War and Desert Storm. And uh, then I'd been, a const- I had a, um, two construction companies. I had a building company where I designed and built custom homes. I had a remodeling company. And, um, but like a lot of soldiers, my military adventures finally caught up to me. And so I got very, very sick. You know, I went downhill, lost everything. And my businesses, my money, my religion, uh, I even lost my wife, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, she left. And uh, when I got to the very bottom, I had this strange sense of relief, you know, that I had a chance now to really do it right, to really to, to do it the way I wanted to do it. And I had tossed around the idea of the Gittite way since I was in college. I'd heard a sermon about it, and it just stuck in my mind. And so I sat down. I had all kinds of time. And, uh, and in the dump truck, and when I started that company, it was just so peaceful. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just stacking material in the dump truck. You know, uh, you get on the ground, the job looks horrible. You start cleaning it when it's done. It looks, it looks great. And, uh, the whole time there's a lot of time to think. And that's where I kind of developed the 10 tenets of the get tight way. And they follow naturally, but the first one is be who and what you really are without apology. You helped to edit that book. I did. And so certainly I, I hope that it had kind of an impact on you. Huge impact. And uh, <laughs> when it, it tickles me to see that as one of your main, I guess, mottos. It's what, yeah, it's it a really hardcore does. value oh, that yeah, I have. For sure. it, is a, it is a hardcore value and it should be. But, uh, you know, I didn't start out that right away. I mean, yeah. even when I started going full time and wearing, you know, male unbifurcated garments, you know, skirts or kilts or mm-hmm. whatnot, um, you know, I kind of was a little, I don't know, and the reason why I went full time is I'd, I'd lost all the weight. I didn't have anything else that would hang on my body. Right. Mm. You know, but I had the stuff I've been wearing, you know, and so I put on a kilt and I said, I'm going to do this full time. Stepped out there. You know, and even I had to have an excuse at first. Like, well, I'm Scots-Irish descent, so mm. I'm wearing a kilt because I'm, you know, I got this heritage excuse. Right. But I'm developing and learning. I'm following the concepts and the tendency to get tight way myself. And next thing you know, here I am. I'm 61 years old. You know, uh, I'm retired, and I'm just really dangerously comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> dangerously yeah. comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it did take a while, and and I recognize that you're asking, like, how is it that people talk to me? And it's because I don't put any pressure on them. Yeah, I just don't. 
you know, I'm happy to share, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, the tenets of the Get Tight Way, no matter what age you are or where you are in your particular walk, um, doesn't matter if you're religious or not or agnostic or atheist, it doesn't matter. They're, they're uh, tenets that will help you just have a better life. And I don't mean like, like a more money and stuff like that. I mean, just a, just a more quality kind of a default setting. Yeah. You get right with yourself when yeah. you live by I'm these. Yeah. yeah. So it I want to make sure that we talk about um, the barking dogs. Oh, behind yeah. fences tenant. Cause that, that that's probably one of the most famous. Of that yeah. Book, and yeah. when, when we did edit the book and I use the word edit lightly, like I'm, Mandy and I worked through and edited the book, not being book editors, you know, like, and, but it was so great because reading through it over and over and over again and moving words here and changing this there, I got to know the material really yeah. well. And this particular tenant about barking dogs really hit me in a weird place because I was the barking dog at the time. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about what this tenant is all about and we'll kind of get into it a little bit. Okay. Um, it's an essay that's in the book or a chapter, if you want to call it that, called Barking Dogs and Fenced-In Yards. And imagine just the dog idea where everyone's inside this great big yard and there's fences all around it. And, you know, dog, you're expected to kind of be a certain way. You know, uh, you're barking, you got your food is provided for you, the water's there, you know, uh, and you just stay inside the fence. And you may bark and bark about getting outside the fence, but dogs really like to be in their yard. And so the gate swings open and there's a handful of dogs that are like, the gate's open. And so they slip out a little bit and look around and then they run back inside, you know, but the rare dog is one that, that goes through the gate and walks down the fence a little bit. And the other dogs are barking and barking like you get up, get back in, get back in. You're, you're unsafe. You're we're supposed to be inside the fence. And, and, uh, and, and most of the dogs, they'll stand there barking at the dog that's outside the fence. And uh, you can be that kind of a person, you know, uh, where you become the dog outside the fence. And you can, it, it's hard to go further and further from the gate, you know. But the further you get from the gate, the less inclined you are to listen to the barking dogs, you know, because they're barking at you, uh, not out of meanness necessarily. They're worried about you. Mm -hmm. you know, get back in the fence, you know. You're not You're going yeah. to go up, you're going to go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. You know, you need a real job. Yeah. You know, uh, you got a medical car, you know, or whatever it is, you're not safe out there. You know, you need to come in in the safety of the yard, of the fenced in yard. And uh, there's some truth to that in, in some ways, but um, being outside the fence is stunningly fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's freedom. It's, yeah. It's freedom. Yeah. And there comes a point where you just don't notice. You know, you'll see a dog walking by, other dogs barking, barking, barking. That dog didn't even look over. Yeah. You know, dogs outside the fence and it is sort of they just become barks of desperation right and that so much of this analogy with the barking dogs hit me so hard because like yeah inside the fence somebody's taking care of the food and water for you you have the safe home to go into when it's cold outside you but you also have to obey mm -hmm. and you also have to stay inside the fence and be a good dog Okay. And so yeah. you have this thing that you're looking for, which is the safety and the security and all of your needs provided for. Right. But you lose this sense of self because you have to obey and live by the rules of being a good dog. And that outside the fence, you may not know where your next meal is coming from, 
and you mm-hmm. may have to drink dirty water from time to time, but you can be whatever kind of fucking dog you want to be out there, you know, like that there's so yeah. much room. And like you said, the more you live outside the fence, the things like having the secure food and water and being the good, like they just don't look as appealing anymore. Cause you're like, yeah. actually sometimes I get in the trash and there's like half a chicken in there and that's yeah, awesome. Right. You know, like that, there's so much to be experienced outside the fence that when you're the dog living in the fence, you have no idea what you're missing out there. And when you see yeah. what you're missing, it's impossible to want to go back in behind the fence again. It is. That's part of that essay. It yeah. It's impossible to do it, you know, but you don't hold it against the dogs inside. No, the fence. right. I, of course really not. Can't. I, I don't think everybody can run up outside and they'll come out and enjoy it for a little bit and go back in the fence. Yeah. You know, that's part of being who and what you really are. And I'm, I'm just outside the fence, yeah. you know, and, um, but that takes some, part of it's just, I'm just naturally inclined that way. I can't like be proud of myself. If I went out the gate and I was bold. Mm-hmm. And there's some of that, you know, when I first went into business, uh, the first couple of days, I mean, I was on, I was sitting in the, in the floor of my office crying, you know, and, and sick in my stomach, not knowing, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. You know, I got three kids and a wife and, uh, you know, but uh, part of running outside the fence, and this kind of begins to deviate as I've grown, you know, uh, it gets in more into the, some of the tents that get that way, is that you start to understand that there are provisions out there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I call it water bottles on the trail. And um, that's where you're walking down the trail and uh, you're thirsty and you're out of water yourself. And odds are you're going to find a bottle of water. And it happens so consistently for me that it's, it can become bizarre and I'll demonstrate it to folks. I'll try to teach this concept that, you know, you will have what you need. You know, you yeah. can go out there and be in business for yourself, for instance, and, uh, the business, it is there and you may not even know where it's coming from. You know, all those years that I designed and built custom homes, I honestly did not know where these people were coming from. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, same thing when in the haul off business, yeah. you know, I, I just, I just always had enough business and I had a good old time. You know, and I really had a good old time. That was the best job I ever had, being a, being a, a trash man, basically. <laughs> we talk a lot about deep trust on the podcast that, um, and, you know, I watched you do your thing. I watched Mandy move from, like, living inside the fence to, you know, like, starting her own business and yeah. doing her own thing. And I was the barking dog. Like, I remember having the conversation with her when she left the commission salon that we worked in where... Um, Are you crazy? Well, it, it was yeah. more out of... I was concerned, you yeah. know, like that she yeah. had just bought a new house and I wanted her to have health insurance. And I like yeah. everything you said uh-huh. was the conversation she and I had, you know, yeah. where I was like, I'm not hating on what you're doing. I'm scared for you. You know, like, I want you to be okay. I right. want you to be safe. And I remember her telling me, like, I'm going to be fine. You know, like, yeah. you don't have to worry about me like this. And it was, like, so hard on me to let her go and let her do yeah. that. But, yeah, like, you fast forward 20 years later, you know, and I'm doing what she did, you know. Yeah. And she's just light years ahead of it. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, she was raised by Chris Webb, you know. Like, it's a different experience. Right. and. Right. That so many of uh, these things that, again, you know, we were editing in the Get Tight way or that I watched her, you know, like do were 
uh, influencing me in a way that gave me the confidence to be able to do those things when I was ready yeah. to do them. Because like you said, everybody just has to be who and what they are. And what I was at that time and for a lot of years after that was comfortable inside the fence yeah, and terrified about what it meant for me to step outside of the fence. And it felt too risky and it felt too scary. And I didn't have what it took, you know, like yeah. to do that. I always had what it took. I just wasn't ready, you know, like to do it well, until I it. was. That's it. You know, yeah. if you're, I like to say that all roads to the truth lead to the truth. All pastors lead to the truth. There's all kinds of different ways to, you know, to become, to have the kind of freedom that we're talking about having, you know, um, and it's okay. I keep saying it, it's okay to stay inside the fence. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's okay. But you really are missing something. Yeah. You really are. And, um, and they're, they're good dogs barking at you. Like you said, you know, you were concerned for Mandy. Yeah. And when you went out on your own, um, I was concerned for you. Yes, I know. You know, I mean, cause I, I am a dad yeah. and you were very young when I, Mm -hmm. When I met you, and I do feel kind of maybe like a fatherly figure, I sure. guess. And, and um, I think part of what I tried to do and what you see in Mandy and Katie and Matt is um, as a dad, I try to be involved. You know, Katie would tell you, I showed up at everything. Mm -hmm. I was there every I time. See you at band, everything. Yeah. Every, every time the band played, <laughs> yes. their bands, I was there. You were always at open mic uh, night. With them, with their friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was always, you know, involved and willing to visit with them and talk with them. You know, uh, so they knew Mandy knew the get tight way. Yeah. She was the one that, that made me write it. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, uh, really? and True. she was like this, you know, she had heard it from me mm -hmm. and she was already in, embodying it mm -hmm. even back then. You know, when she started, when y'all started editing the get tight way, she was in that house. Yeah, totally. That they had built. That was already mm -hmm. where she was in life. And, uh, and then here you are and, and you, it's, it's incredible. See, I love it. And I like to think some of that has to do with someone who's been out the fence before you. Right. You know, and can, and can look back and, you know, and it, it's okay. Yeah. There are water bottles on the trail. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. There is business out there. You know, it, it will happen. It's not that complicated. It, it just takes a little bit of belief, you know, and a little bit of getting out there to do it. You know, yeah. there's a, an essay that's not in the get tight way. If it ever gets, the get tight way ever gets written like a. We need an amendment maybe. An amendment yeah. Like. And one of it is, um, well, actually it is, it's called, it's called the worm plan. And uh, that's basically, you know, I wrote this because I was just starting in business and I woke up one morning and the birds were just going nuts. You know, they were, they were tweeting and flapping and all this kind of thing. And I thought, boy, they're just so happy and, and confident. You know, they get up in the morning they don't think about where the food's coming from or their shelter or, or anything. They just wake up and the, it's a new day, Yeah, you know, and they're wake up expecting worms and there's worms you know, uh, and I thought it's just like that. You know, we, we can wake up expecting worms. You know, I, I, like I, said, I was in church work a long time, so I won't hide that. That's part of who I was, you know, and uh, Jesus said basically that the same program that feeds the birds in the fields where the flowers are also takes care of you. Right. We're in the same program. And so if you wake up expecting worms, they're there. Yeah. You know, big worms. You know, worms big enough that you can share them with other folks. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, worms big enough where you just, you do, you wake up in the morning excited, you know, and it just, and they're just there. They really are. It's not some profound, like, oh, my faith is so great. It's not that. No. It's just a realization that it, part of it's taking Jesus at his word. You know, and um, 
the program is there. The plan is there. You know, he says that, you know, God notices a small, the fall of a single sparrow. And we're worth many sparrows. Many sparrows, and truth. And so step yeah. outside the fence and let, you know, the provider of worms, you know, give them straight to you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What but, I love so much about what you're saying is that it resonates. So, like, I love listening to you talk about Scripture and Jesus and things from the Bible because, I mean, Baptist is one direction, but, like, United Methodist, which is yeah. the, you know— dogma that I came from as a child, they're not that far off from one another, you know, like they do resonate in the field so much. And that the words that I use for Jesus or God or what, you know, like that sometimes I'll float into God pretty heavily. And I think that Jesus was a super solid dude, you know, like I learned about him for a really long time. Um, And he hung with my people, you know, like, so I dig all of the stories with Jesus. And I love the word spirit and I love the word universe. And I love this idea that we all have a word that we revolve into this idea of like a higher power, right? But that the conversation about deep trust and knowing that if it's about entrepreneurship, that the business is there, the worms are there, you know, like when you expect them to be there. Um, So many times over, I mean, like I'm eight months into working for myself 100% of the time. Right. And I don't know how much, I probably should look, but I don't know how much money I've actually made over those eight months. It's best not to know. Right. Like maybe it's better I don't know. But what I do know is that my lifestyle and the things that um, otherwise I would have considered like luxuries or expenses that I shouldn't spend money on because it wasn't like a necessity or like a hard bill or something I needed to focus on that my lifestyle has way improved. Okay. Like I do, I spend more money on self care and things that make me feel good or items that make me feel good. I spend more money on fine dining with my friends or going on trips and vacations. Like I'm not, not living my best life. Like I'm straight living the best life I've ever lived in my life and I'm paying my bills. Yeah. And I'm doing as much work as I want to. And I'm saying, no, I've done too much work. I need a few days off. Like, I'm doing all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. There's actually no literal way that any of that makes sense or adds up on paper. It does not. It literally doesn't. It literally do doesn't, okay? I have no idea how I'm pulling it off. But I don't care. Like, yeah. I just believe that this is what I deserve. It's what I'm worthy yeah. of. I'm living my calling. I'm serving and helping people in a much bigger way than I was ever able to serve and help people before. Yeah. My work is of high service and worthy of massive compensation. And that's my experience. And that is because spirit says I can do that. You know, it's because I have this deep trust and this ability that I am provided for. And I've always been provided for. And there's actually infinite amounts of abundance that I'm able to tap into because that's my belief. Not because I'm hustling, not because I'm working 14 hours a day, not because of any of the, not because I'm scavenging and saving and living like a pauper and not wanting to spend an extra penny because I don't know where my next payday is coming from. None of that's true. What's true is the deep trust. And what's true is that I know that the universe and God and Jesus and all that they've all got my back, you know, like that there's this infinite wisdom that's working with me, through me, by me, you know, that's allowing these things to be attracted and drawn to me. And that is something that is one of those, like, if I had known then what I know now, (laughs) you know, like, oh, oh, all of that would look different. 
Um, cause yeah, it doesn't make sense, but I don't care that it doesn't make sense. Like it's working. Well, one of the things I want you, you hit on something that's worth, uh, talking a little bit about. Yeah. You know, when I wrote the get tight way, it's not a religion. Yeah. It's not, you know, uh, in fact, it addresses the idea of what do you call, you know, God, Jesus, the alpha, mm-hmm. the omega, infinity, the right. universe, the cosmos, the spirit, all of these are names for basically the same thing. Yes. That gets me in trouble sometimes with people of religions who pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, like you said, believing mm-hmm. that there is a system and there is. If you look at the cosmos, it operates on immutable laws. Right. They're immutable. They're the same all the way through the universe. They're in this room right now. They're in our hearts, our, our, our cells. And it is all there. Everything we need. It really is there. Yeah. You know, uh, some of it, another one of the, the, the ninth tenet of the Yittite way is to decide to be content. You know, uh, you have to be content at whatever it is you're going to finally be content with. You know, the pursuit of happiness can be exhausting. Yes. You know, and uh, pursuing of happiness, in fact, you can't really catch it. You know, even our Constitution says you have the right to the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> Chase it. You know, but... But contentment is what you can get, and you can hang on to it. If you can find contentment, happiness will sit right next to you, mm-hmm. close enough for you to touch it. And so, you know, you have aspirations for more and growing and all that, and that's great. It really is. But at the heart of what you folks have, if you don't realize it, is you're you're content with being outside the fence. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're content with not really knowing for sure. You're content with. And, and you may really get rich. I think it's very possible that y'all would just really get rich. Men too. You know, uh, that's what we're going for. Yeah, but, that's what yeah. you're going for. Yeah. You know, and, and I think part of what people have been drawn to me, I've been called a sage. I mean, even, even at the VA, the mental department, I'm under the care of the VA. I'm one of those crazy veterans. And uh, they say I'm a sage. You are a sage. And, uh, yeah. But, you know, you know, I'm not a hermit. That's, that's A sage is better than a hermit. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> maybe. But uh, I am. I live in a small house on a small street, and you know, I was I was big and bad, not all the stuff you remember when mm-hmm. big companies made a lot of money and yeah. sponsored camp. You know, I just did a lot of cool stuff, and uh, and now I'm, like I said, I'm in my little house on my little street, really content, and and just really enjoying helping other people find that contentment and learning to be content outside the fence, yeah, where you you have pure contentment. Faith that is just, it just resides. You wake up in the morning expecting worms. Totally. The contentment uh, tenant, it's so funny that you brought that up because I honestly had kind of forgotten about that one until you just brought it up. But there's this thing that I've been working with maybe just even the last six weeks or so where like worry sets in right? When you're an entrepreneur yeah. and sometimes oh, like yeah. things happen and you're like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. And you get worried about it. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, Jessica and I are making such a study out of, um, energy and vibration and frequency. Right. And that worry or fear is a really low vibration emotion and it only invites more worry and fear to come to you. And so I've had to get really strict with myself where I'm like, okay, Laurie, how is this thing you're worrying about affecting you right now, this very second? Mm-hmm. Like right now in this moment, all of my bills are paid. There is money yeah. in the bank. There is a fridge full of food. You have heat. You have hot water. 
you have friends, you have an amazing husband, you have a beloved dog that I could not live without, you know, like you have the freedom right now to go out and go for a walk or get on a plane and fly to Costa Rica or do what, you know, like there's nothing wrong right now. Everything is absolutely amazing (laughs) and exactly what you always wanted your life to be. So what's the point in freaking worrying about whatever that like, what's happening right now that's a problem, you know? And when I can scale it back in and look at like how beautiful my life is right now, then you can't do anything but just be really appreciative and grateful. And that that vibration, yeah. That feels better than worry. And that brings, yeah, more of it back. So like, it's so interesting how this conversation about contentment is so mm. much a check-in with yourself when you're like, really, what's super affecting me in this moment? And so often it's nothing and you're tripping out on something that hasn't even happened yet and probably yeah. won't happen, you know? What's the 10th tenet? Like, what did we just... Gratitude. Be thankful, just gratitude. Okay, just let's be, talk about gratitude. Like, yeah, just be thankful. You know, and that, all these tenets, they progress from the first to the last very naturally. And, uh, but the third tenet is is kind of the heart of gratitude, and that's uh, to hold everything in your life in an open hand. Mm. You know, uh, you, if you have all these things, and they are wonderful, no doubt about that, the minute you try to put your hands around it, the joy is gone mm-hmm. because that is loss. That's expecting loss. That's expecting to be taken away. You got to hold it in your open hand like that, and thank you so much for what is just in my hands. Mm-hmm. You know, even the Bible says the, the only joy in real wealth is to watch it slip between your fingers. Uh, it's oh. so good. Wow. Yeah. It's so good. That's, that's uh, in Ecclesiastes. And so that's the joy of it. You know, uh, you hold an open hand and you, and you guys do this, you know, you, you splash over here and you throw it over there <laughs> and some of it you hang on to, you're having a great life and it's wonderful. But if it gets to where you can't take that trip or business does slow down, or you have to have less in the refrigerator or any of that, be grateful, mm-hmm. be thankful and look in your hands and say, thank you, God or universe or cosmos or whatever, whatever word fits best for you. That my hands have something to hold in them. Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and it goes along with things that we've been talking about lately, like yeah. not having the death grip on it and just allowing it. To breathe. Yes. And sit. Well, in that whole analogy of like, you know, if a butterfly lands in your hand and it's so beautiful and you can like love it and appreciate it. But if it's going to fly away and you try and close like you're going to kill the butterfly, like you're crushing it, you know, that's in the get tight way. Yeah. edited that. That's probably where I pulled it from. Like, yeah, the butterfly that's there. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the weight of it in your hand. But as soon as you try to grasp it, it either flies away or you damage it. Yeah. And that this idea of like, holding on loosely, palm up approach, you know, like Mm. not crushing things to death and this concept of like forcing things to happen, which I think goes hand in hand with the living outside the fence thing, um, is that when you're a doer and you're someone who gets paid for productivity and making Mm. things happen, I was so accurate at making things happen. Like you tell me what I need to do and that's going to have a bonus, a raise, an incentive, something like that for me. I will make it happen, you know? And that that is an exhausting way to live long-term. And that this whole new concept that we're playing with right now is like, I'm going to set an intention 
I'm going to command what it is that I want to come to me. And I'm going to allow the path to unfold in front of me. And I'm going to have inspired action that I know is the right step to take because I'm being guided by this higher force, you know, that's co-creating with me. And how different that is than let's go out and make it happen, you know? And so it's not, I'm a doer. Like I like action. I don't want to just like sit around and let things happen, but I'm so tired of the forced action where I feel like I have to go out and like hustle to make something go down. I don't want to hustle. I want to, I want to let it go. And I want to like bring it to me. Yeah. It's it's not necessary. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a, that's people like this. It is necessary. No, it's not. You know, what you, what's required of us is to move. You have to walk out the gate. Yeah. You have to walk down the fence. You got to run down the fence. But that's all you, that's all you're responsible for is to just move. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but if you sit inside the gate, you know, with this concept, well, it's all out there, it's all going to be provided and all that, but you never walk forward, you don't see it. And you talk about the path unfolding before you, that means that you're moving down a path. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it wouldn't be unfolding before you. And, and it does unfold before you, you know, the Bible says, you know, that, um, you walk down a path, you know, and that it, that faith brings about a light that it just lights the path just ahead of you. Mm-hmm. But behind you is an angel swinging a sword, protecting you from things that you might be afraid of while you're going down that path. Think about that. An angel swinging a fiery sword. I love it. While the path is unfolding before you and all you may be able to see is a few steps ahead of it. But all paths of the truth lead to the truth and the truth is your, is in one way to put it is, is your best life, your best self. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my favorite things about the Get Tight Way and about you is that you can have conversations like we're having right now with any person with any belief system from any upbringing and at any age. Okay. Like, and that oftentimes when people are like struggling or in need of wisdom, you just happen to be in their life. And I love you brought up earlier, like that you're kind of infamous at the VA and as a veteran, you know, like that a big part of your life now, especially since you've retired, you know, is that you do spend a lot of time at the VA and that yeah. you are such a beautiful light of support for so many people there. Um, and that that's a mission from your heart, you know, yeah. like that you really do have your own ministry that is helping so many people that have been, you know, neglected, forgotten mm-hmm. about uh, people that fought for a lot of these rights to be who we are unapologetically that aren't looked out for and that you do minister to these people on the regular and that that's a big part of your work right now. Well, I really, I really care for people. I really do. And, you know, and part of what comes easy to me is um, just standing next to someone and just kind of sort of knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes it's just listening. Other times it's just kind of knowing what to say. You know, uh, I was in line behind this young gal who had a, two kids and she's struggling to get her card out just to pay in the line at Walmart. You know, one of the kids is, is, is making noise and whatnot. And I just told her very, very softly, I says, you're really a great mother. Aww. And she paid and left. And that turned out to be someone that Mandy knew. Really? Oh, wow. And so she says, your dad, I ran into your dad and he's, what he said to me was so what I desperately needed. Mm. Oh, I love and that. It, yeah, it's just, just things like that, you know, it, 
little, you know, babies and kids is an, is an easy thing because they're so obvious. I was at the briefly, I was at the DMV, right? That's a hard place to be uh. for everybody. And uh, this young mom walks in, clearly her first child. She's got everything you can possibly have. <laughs> and she's got this yeah. little bitty infant and the infant is just crying and crying and crying. And she reaches the end of herself, you know? And so she, she moves outside with all of her kind of stuff. And I've got my number right here. And I'm like, no, I give the number to somebody else. And I walked out because I just, she needed, she was in need. Aww. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's a little bit scary. Cause some old guy with a beard's following you out, <laughs> right. young, young mom with a baby. And, but, uh, I just, my heart just went out to her and I said, I'm a granddad. I got grandkids. I says, this, let me hold your baby for a minute so you can gather yourself. And I mean, she was crying. Aww. And you know, I took the baby in my arms and the baby just stopped crying. Yeah, I did. Just, just looked up at me and I was having such a nice time. And she was able to collect herself. You know, it's such a small thing. Yeah. You know, and it's such not an easy thing. Everything. Like, look, yeah. Look what I did. I'm just doing what I was inclined to do. You know, people ask me, well, you know, this is in the get tight way. How do you know what the, what God's will is? The, you know, what it, how do you know what your life is supposed to be? I'll tell you what it is. Just being, just doing the things you're already naturally inclined to do. Just listening to that still small voice behind you that says, turn right, turn left. Like I, like um, Isaiah did. I think Isaiah. And, um, and then learn how to pay attention to that. You know, and, and the key to that, um, Starts really, really simple. It's what I tell folks who are from the very beginning and trying to understand how do you grasp the way the path goes and where it leads. The, the first thing you do is when you feel like you should give somebody a phone call, mm -hmm. you give it to them. Yeah. Right then, mm -hmm. right then. And you will see how the spirit or whatever does it whispers. It's like a little whisper behind you it says, turn right, turn left, make a phone call. Make the call, and I guarantee the person on the other side said, I can't believe you called. I'm so thankful that you called. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about you. And uh, you get good at that, you'll get better at hearing that still small voice telling you a whole lot of other things, you know, with questions to ask and something like this. Yeah. Who to invite? You know, what to do next? Wherever y'all going to go for lunch or whatever you might be doing. You'll get to where you just kind of hear this little this little direction. It's, it's not, not only this path unfolding before you, but you're getting instructions. You know, as you go, you don't even know exactly why you're making decisions you are. You just know that it's incrementally it's supposed mm -hmm. to go this way. Mm -hmm. And your life, even if you get off track, if you can make those little incremental decisions to do what, what, what you're supposed to do in the moment, your life will arc around to wherever it's supposed to go. Yeah. It may, it may going, you're not going straight towards it. It'll arc around. It might cross it. It might arc around again like this. But if you're going incrementally, you know, you're getting good at listening to the spirit, listening to the instructions you're getting to go down the path. It's a beautiful thing. You need to live a life like mine where you know, I've, I've got what you know, my country loves veterans. And so they're taking good care of me. You know, I got, I got nothing to do really, but to see what, what the spirit leads me in the moment, who to call or where to go or, you know, well, and, uh, what you're very, doing such nice. a good job explaining right now is that you are and your whole life probably have been an open channel yeah. that and That's you know, a good way to put that. channeling yeah. is, I don't know, is it controversial anymore? Like I feel like it's that 
a lot of what I'm doing when I'm working in intuitive healing sessions with mm. people is channeling information to them from spirit, you know, uh, like from, and that's what you're talking about is like this like urge or this tendency that's telling you to make the phone call or just knowing what to say to people. You know, like you said, I just like, I just know what to say. I also have that. And it's what I have made money on for decades in my career yeah. is just knowing what to say at the right time. But it's not because Laurie knows what to say. Right. It's because I know how to connect and the words come, right? Mm. And that being an open channel is a gift. Really and is, yeah. And, and uh, there's so many words to use to try to quantify or try to explain very complex yeah. things. And one word that sort of describes a lot of what you're saying is, is, uh, intuition. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes. totally. You know, uh, it's a great word for it. And intuition is not a matter of, of it's not even a matter of faith. Mm -hmm. You, you have it. Right. Whether you like it or not, you just like it or not, you have it. Yeah. You know, it's that part of you that takes in everything, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we can only see that I'm only looking at you. I can barely see what's around. You know, I have no idea what's behind me. Uh, that's kind of how it is. Right. But your intuition, it's like above you. It's got everything. It's looking in every direction. It's <laughs> tapping into the cosmos. It's tapping mm -hmm. into the emotions of people around you, uh, friends that are that are on the other side of the country, the other side of the world. And uh, if, if you can learn to kind of listen to your intuition, then you'll know what to say to folks. Yes. You'll be able to channel what someone needs mm -hmm. because your intuition is giving you a hint. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is what, well, like me, that this, this gal needs someone to just hold her baby right yeah it's not rocket science mm -hmm. it was just me feeling my intuition uh you know having a ticket in your hand and having someone outside that you intuitively know and that's being channeled to me i guess as you would say yeah this is where i need to go to channel you know some help right some encouragement mm -hmm. someone who really desperately needs it if you have a gift at that you've got a really wonderful gift but it's also something I believe you know people can learn. They may not have it as much as someone who just happens to have it. You know, uh, I don't even try. Yeah. You know, yeah. But so I can't take any credit for it. But I do teach people that you can work in that direction. Sure, you can. Yeah. You, know, you can learn to listen to that still small voice. Like I said, there are little exercises you can do to give you more and more confidence. I've even taken somebody down the trail a while back. He didn't believe me about the water bottles on the trail. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, we go and I run out of water and he runs out of water. I said, don't worry about it. There'll be water bottles on the trail. Don't worry. He said, yeah, yeah, right. You're always saying that. <laughs> and so we're going down the trail and I kid you not, someone had dropped a case of bottled water <laughs> on the trail. What are the I chances? Mean, I know. And, I, and even I was like, go out. Okay. I was like, man, I can't believe it. I'm thirsty. You get some water. And he said, what are we going to do with the rest of this water? I said, well, we're going to take it and we're going to put it on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. And so we carried that stuff down and, and a bunch of people found water bottles on the trail. Maybe someone left them for me when I found them. I don't know where they come from. Yeah. I was in Death Valley. That was a divine intervention. No doubt. Like, that's... Found one. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a divine intervention. It's also just how the world actually works. Right. You know, uh, when you pay attention. When you pay attention. When you pay attention you, and you make yourself available to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Very good way to put that. Yeah. Chris, I could talk to you for hours. Hours. <laughs> we're not going to because we're, uh, yeah, about an hour long podcast around here is our, uh, yeah. our go. But we're going to link 
all the ways that you can follow Chris Webb. We talked about some <laughs> random grandpa earlier. This is you like Chris's alter know, ego that he, um, you know, has these great isms. epiphanies and isms yeah. that come from some random grandpa, which is uh, Chris Webb. Because, yeah, like how many grandkids do you have now? Six? I have six grandkids. Uh, if you count Peggy's grandkids. Oh, she right. Has, she has eight. Yeah. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. So, uh, you guys have a... Yeah. So, so yeah, really we're in the teens. And who knows? Like, we could find out any minute that somebody's having a baby. So, like, it could happen. I don't put anything on. past the web clan. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's possible. So, yeah, we're going to put all the links for how you can follow Chris, how you can get into the Get Tight Way. It will change your life to read about some of these concepts. Um, you're such a gift. Thank you so much for oh, coming you, on Chris. today. We I so really, appreciate you. I'm honored to have been invited out. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's so been, good. It's been fun. It went, by, <laughs> went by like that. Yeah, it does go by oh, fast. If you guys feel like this episode would help somebody, then please share it with them. Get on and uh, give us some reviews. Tell us if any of these things landed with you. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye.